Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. This is Katerina Canuti, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph and with Eurosport and introduced this week by Katerina Canute, 11 years of age, whose dad, Dean Canute, bought her the opportunity to introduce the Tennis Podcast. I mean, at 11 years old, Catherine Whitaker, imagine, imagine if you'd been given a gift like that. It's too much too soon, David, isn't it? Where does she go from here? Wimbledon champion, I say. I mean, that's really all that could match up. So, you know, uh, anyway, as you can tell, I'm pretty jolly because I've just been on holiday, uh, which is why we did the listener special uh, last week. Catherine is about to go on holiday in about six hours time. We, re- we come to you at about 10 o'clock in the evening on Sunday night uh, here. We've had a full day of tennis to follow. Catherine's been commentating today. Um, we've got loads to talk about because we've got the whole Wimbledon Q conversation that we had last week. Uh, uh, some more on that. We've got the Davis Cup to catch up on that we, we weren't able to talk about last week because we weren't here, or rather I wasn't because I had my feet up on a deck chair. Do they have deck chairs anymore? No, they didn't where I was anyway in Croatia. Um, we're going to talk about Monte Carlo, the Djokovic, uh, Marian Vida reconnection because that's happened. Um, we're going to talk about Kyle Edmund. Uh, we're going to talk about my text conversation with Sue Barker. <laughs> absolutely. Oh, you've dropped that bomb early, David. Absolutely, definitely going to talk about that. Uh, we'll also um, talk about the greatest performance by a player on his or her least favourite surface. What's your least favourite surface, Catherine? I would say the answer to that question is me at the Royal Albert Hall four years ago when I beat you. Was it four years ago? Yeah, it yes, it was four years ago, yeah. Four That's your least favourite. Yeah. Whitaker, Whitaker on a low-bouncing indoor court. No, I, I mean, I quite like an indoor court generally, but that one was, was, was challenging. Yes, it was challenging. It? So you've been commentating today. For various today. reasons, yeah. What were you commentating on today? <laughs> uh, I was commentating on the final of the Samsung Open 
in Lugano, Switzerland, which I'm reliably informed is generally speaking a beautiful, picturesque place. Um, to me, all week it's looked like um, some somewhere that, that that's sort of experiencing some sort of biblical type flooding incident um, because it has rained so, so torrentially all week. I mean, it really was one of those tournaments where uh, it got to Thursday and you thought, hang on a second, they they might actually just not get this done. It was Thursday and they were still playing qualifying. Um, so some somehow they got it done on time. Uh, they had to play the quarters and the semifinals in one day. Now, both uh, of the finalists, Elise Mertens and Irina Sabalenka, were also in the doubles final. So on the Saturday, Elise Mertens, the eventual Samsung Open champion, played five hours and 55 minutes of tennis, ending at about uh, eight or nine, I think about nine o'clock at night. Uh, so four hours, 41 of that was singles and uh, the other hour and a quarter was doubles. And then she had to come back the next day at uh, 2.15 and play the final. And it was disgusting, David. She looked fresh as a daisy. It was ridiculous. She won the final, straight sets. Sabalenka, not at her best. Uh, she'll have to wait a bit longer for her first WTA title. But she's only 19. It'll come without question. Um, but Elise Mertens, she, she's not exactly a battle axe of, the, of a woman. You wouldn't look at her and think, you know, strong as an ox necessarily. But my goodness me, do, uh, uh, she honestly, you would never have known, not even a hint of it. Maybe if it had gone to three, you would have started to see it. But I don't know. She looked like she could have gone all day to me. Um, and that's her third WTA title, her first on clay. Um, she came into the week 20 in the world, which is obviously where she was propelled to um, as a result of that uh, Australian Open semi-final run. But there's not a lot that can go wrong in Elise Merton's game. You know, she doesn't have big weapons. It's not necessarily blockbuster tennis, but I don't see her going anywhere anytime soon. I don't think she's necessarily a, a top five Grand Slam champion tennis player, although stranger things have happened. But I think she is going to stick around in the world's top 20, top 15, maybe top 10, given the 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 changeability um, in tennis at the moment. So, yeah, she's she's the real deal, I think. And uh, I, I'm pleased for her that she's shown everyone that the Australian Open wasn't a flash in the pan. Incidentally, just one final thing I wanted to, to mention without comment, perhaps comment isn't needed, is that... Uh, did, did you see any of the, the Samsung Open, David? Uh, I saw about four games, yes. Uh, I thought I'd check four out Four games worth of rain. Yeah. Do you you caught an unrainy four games? I, I did catch an unrainy but, four games, but that's because you but, told me it was about to start because you were commentating on it. <laughs> right. Um, so on the court, uh, to the right and left respectively of the two uh, players' chairs, it was just a big washing machine. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I, kid, I kid you not. I mean, I know... Presumably that has something to do with the the electronic sponsor, but Samsung make a lot of great stuff, David. They they made my phone very successfully. I've got a great Samsung phone. Have a big and she expects um, a new one. Have a big phone on the court. Have uh, have a have an iPad, not an iPad. You know, other have a have a non Apple iPad. Have a what else does Samsung make? Loads of great stuff. Don't have a flipping washing machine. I mean, you know, they could have had it a vacuum a cleaner. Un- it is oh, or or a, 
uh, an, an implement with slightly less sexist 50s housewife um under overtones undertones I don't I don't know if that's what was going on. I did does Samsung sponsor any men's events? Will there be washing machines on the court there? Oh, come I don't on. know. Yeah. I, I, I don't it, look, I don't know. It just it was a weird look. It was a weird, <laughs> weird look. They were sat on like plinths. It was like they were the trophy, except they weren't the trophy because there was a proper trophy. <laughs> I genuinely thought during the trophy ceremony earlier they might get handed one of these washing machines. <laughs> what, like but 70s, the, she got a like, she got a lovely Rado watch instead. She looked, she looked very game relieved. shows where they say to yeah. Arena Sabalenka, "Have a look at what you could have won." Cuddly, cuddly toy, holiday to Las Vegas, washing machine. <laughs> oh. Anyway, it was just it was just you know. <laughs> Sensational. It's a, it a lovely event. Uh, some great tennis. Uh, beautiful setting when it's not raining. Weird washing machines. <laughs> yes. Okay. That's uh, my summary of the Samsung Open. Yes, it's it's a memory to take with us forever. Um, so that's happened. And uh, what else has happened today? Uh, Carl Edmund has been in his first ATP final, Catherine. Didn't go particularly well. Uh, lost 6-2-6-2 to Pablo Andujar, who... Uh, I remember from Queen's about four years ago when uh, he came on during the French Open final and he was talking to BBC Radio as they were commentating live, just building up to Nadal against Djokovic. And he was at Queen's for the for the first round of that. And he came on to just tell us all of his Nadal stories. And my word, what a charming bloke he was. Well, he's had a horrible time since then. He's had three elbow surgeries and just really nice to see him back out there playing well. He's won 10 matches in a row now. But that's a, oh, a chastening defeat, really, for Kyle Edmund. I mean, I, I, as an experience, at least. But then I always feel with Kyle Edmund, this sort of thing happens. And then he just starts building and learning and not doing it next time. Trivia for you, David. Trivia question. Pablo Andujar, ranked 360-something, I think, in the world. Lowest ranked ATP World Tour title winner since since Ooh. blank in blank that's a good one uh, come on david is it martin verkirk it's not it's not uh, i see what you've done there i mean in in pointless terms that would definitely be a pointless answer <laughs> martin verkirk always a pointless answer right um for did, Who is did, it? does America have pointless? What kind of country wouldn't have pointless? It's a game show anyway. For anyone wondering what I'm on this about, this podcast Incidentally, is I was pointless. Watch, I was watching pointless the other day, and Jamie Delgado was a pointless answer, and I hey. thought, poor, poor Jamie. Go on, Jamie. Um, uh, <laughs> anyway, back on track. Since blank in blank, I'll give you one more guess. Oh, for goodness' sake! Um, I'm. Ha- I'm ha- I, 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 I'll give you one. More. I'm just buying time so I can go back through the annals of my. Glorious Martin Verkirk memories. How far back are we going? How many years? In very much in my lifetime and in my tennis enjoying lifetime. Just right. Okay. Well, I don't know who it is. So there we are. Uh, no, hold on a minute. It must be um, somebody really famous who's been out of the game for a long time, isn't it? It is someone really famous. Excellent. It is Roger Federer. Roger Federer. No. <laughs> was, it, 
It was a relatively late bloomer, David. What are you on about? It was Leighton Hewitt in 1998. I told you it was somebody. Oh, that's not that's not fair. He was 16. Oh, oh yeah. what, what was he ranked? So, more than 360-something. All right, so you don't know. Okay, uh, so that happened. And uh, and so Kyle Edmund, um, yeah, not not a great day for him, but I'm sure he'll come again. Um, we uh, we not, also... Uh, yeah, not... A, yeah, I, I don't want to... Um, I don't want to detract from the positivity. I, gen- I generally overall feel positive about Kyle Edmund and it took him... That was his sixth bite at the semi-final tour semi to semi-final cherry wasn't it for before he made it through to final so that's a big step in itself but two and two that is a pretty disastrously bad performance isn't it that is, that is a sh- I mean in terms of an opportunity to get your first tour title on the board all due respect to Pablo Andujar 10 match winning streak and everything they don't come much better than that so I do think he played yes, really overall, well upon upon reflection positive week and I think really really good call by him and his team to go to Marrakesh and to start the clay court season getting some match wins under his belt um I, I do think today and for a couple of days he'll probably be pretty gutted about that because it's a big opportunity incidentally David just quickly uh, on a technology note where where did you watch Carl Edmonds matches in Marrakesh on a washing machine no, I watched it on <laughs> Facebook. Ah, yes, I've I've learned how to use Facebook now. And apparently, yeah, we've oh, been transported not- to the future, David. We're watching tennis on Carl Edmund's Facebook page. Are there not though now uh, kitchen appliances on which you can watch stuff on Facebook? Like, Sorry, what are you talking oh, about? Are you talking about Alexa? <laughs> no, uh, I'm sure there are like fridge freezers that have got screens on them and. and- <laughs> What are you talking about? Um, I mean, maybe you've been shopping in the wrong shops, Catherine. Let's let's find out. Um, uh, what are we talking about? Facebook, watching tennis on Facebook. Yeah, I feel like. Um, uh, I mean, it's it's a fantastic um, deal arrangement that they've come to. I think it's through uh, British Airways, isn't it? One one of Carl Edmund's new sponsors. They've done a deal with Facebook. Um, an incredible coup. He's not the only player to have done it, but incredible coup. To, it bypasses all um, regional and rights-based issues. So wherever you are in the world, you can watch all Kyle Edmund matches on his Facebook page, which, page, which yeah, is an incredible coup. But I really... Who who knew that we all wanted to be watching our sport on Facebook? I mean, I, I don't think it's any secret that Facebook are planning to get into more live sport aren't they so maybe yeah. this is a toe in the water it's it's going that way but but equally i think that they are able to geographically block and decide where you are able to watch it and where you're not um and it is only Marrakesh. Oh, so what oh but there we are yeah i, I tell you there's oh, so I, no control. i thought it was an ongoing deal it wasn't just Marrakesh. no no well i mean it might be other events as well but it's not oh. like every kyle edmund match for eternity is going to be available on facebook it's not that's not oh. the way it's going to work I misunderstood. I, I I I got carried away. But still, it's quite good, uh, and it, and it's happened this week uh, in Houston. We have a final uh, going on. I think between Tennis Sandgren and who who's he playing? I can't remember who he's playing now. Is it Steve Johnson? I think it is. Yes, it is. Yeah, it is Steve Johnson. Um, uh, they haven't finished yet. Um, and uh, yeah, that's about all I got for you from from this week, um, Catherine. The 
the Monte Carlo tournament is about to uh, to get underway. Just before we talk about that, I mentioned last week Davis Cup we didn't get to talk about, and it was one of those that everybody's very excited who is against the ITF proposals to change the Davis Cup and have it all in a single week at the end of the year. Everybody who is against that idea was using the Spain against Germany tie as the example of why Davis Cup must not change because it was magical, it was wonderful, it was a ball ring, it was 3-2, it had Zverev and Nadal playing, so all the big names were out. And uh, yeah, Spain ended up winning there through to the semifinals. Did it, it alter your thinking in any way? No, because nothing has changed. Absolutely nothing has changed. We learnt nothing new other than... No, we learnt nothing new. What what that tie in Valencia was, and it was glorious, was evidence of what we already knew, that the Davis Cup can be magical and spectacular and watchable and, and it can be the best thing in tennis. Um, but... It, 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 it still needs needs reform. It's yes, this tie had all the big names, but the the reason it, one of the reasons the tournament needs reform is that the they you, there's no reliability in the participation of of the the top players. It doesn't mean there's never participation of top players. Obviously, there can be, um, but it's all it's for me. It, it's it's more evidence of of how important it is to reform in the right way to try and preserve as many of the things that were wonderful about that tie and it did exude pretty much everything that's that's brilliant about the davis cup preserve as many of them as you possibly can whilst whilst reforming um yeah there was nothing there was nothing new about that tie we knew the davis cup could be spine tingling and brilliant um and that's all the more reason to to try and preserve it as such for the future you can't have everything you know the the tennis world has changed and the davis cup needs to to change with it yes it, it does uh well at least i think we think so um but interesting just quickly david interesting that um a that nadal subsequent to to that tie uh has committed to playing the Davis Cup for the remainder of the year, obviously injury permitting. Spain now have a, a tie against France, a semi-final tie against France. So he'll play in that, uh, provided he's fit, and in a, in a final should there be one. But also that he's lent his support to the reforms. So, yeah, I mean, what, one one thing, his commitment to it, I suppose some people, naysayers of the reforms, could use as evidence that the reforms aren't needed because, you know, we're still getting the world number one participating even even as it stands at the moment. But then also Nadal is, is supportive of the reforms. So just, just a couple of... Um, Interesting nuggets, David. Indeed. Uh, elsewhere, though, uh, the United States won through very straightforwardly 3-0. And by stark contrast, I mean, I think there, were, there was about four or 5,000 people watching that. Nothing like the same degree of atmosphere. Um, they are through, though, to the semifinals and will play against Croatia away. Croatia winning through handily with Marin Cilic and Borna Cioric. And If you're, quickly, David, if you're Mr. France and Mr. Croatia... Uh, and you, you practically are, Mr. Croatia. Um, what, what, what surface are you picking for those two ties? They're the two home sides. What surfaces are you picking? I'm going quick indoors, certainly for, from a from a France perspective, certainly because they're going to just want to make Nadal as uncomfortable as they possibly can, and a fast indoor surface, I think, is their best chance of doing so. 
specifically because they have so many different players that they could use who can all play on that sort of surface i would i mean you yep. would you wouldn't touch clay with a barge pole would you if you if you were france in in that tie whereas they have in previous ties uh, most recently uh, you re- we recall the wasn't the davis cup final played on that i think it was it was yeah and and also um playing against britain last year but they won't do that this time um and i would have thought that Croatia, who I've seen beat the United States in Croatia in a Davis Cup tie 16 years ago when James Blake was playing and Mario Ancic, players like that, I, I, and even Lubacic, who was brilliant, I, I think that they will go probably fairly quick indoors as well. Maybe not quick, but indoors, I, w- I would have thought that they would both go. Mr. Croatia speaketh. Yes, uh, people are getting very excited. I was I the was entire in, nation is listening, David. They I was in Croatia uh, when when they were uh, when they were playing that tie, and and yes, people were quite into it. So anyway, we'll we'll look forward to to seeing those two ties uh, in September. They take place now. Other things that uh, we have got to talk to you about today before we go on to the Wimbledon queue conversation which uh, which has taken up quite a lot of uh, my time on twitter over the last week uh, polls and all sorts um we uh, we've got monte carlo about to start a spectacular event uh, it started today i never quite know whether it's starting on a sunday or a monday it, it, it feels pretty low key today by contrast to to you know a monday start I, i'm not a particularly big fan of sunday starts myself the big story, really, aside from Rafael Nadal trying to win his 88th Monte Carlo title, uh, is uh, Novak Djokovic, who has got another new stroke old coach in Marian Vida. And he's basically gone back to the bloke who he separated from when uh, when Boris Becker had got ditched uh, or, or separated from him. Uh, then Marian Vida left wasn't that i think that was the shock therapy moment wasn't it when he just he just got rid yep. of everybody on his team and uh and then he went andre agassi and he went uh radek stepanek he was very nice about stepanek he was pretty terse about agassi that clearly hasn't ended pretty particularly well and here we are with marion vida albeit on a temporary basis from what we hear but i would have thought that is the old coat that he's putting on that makes him feel like he did when he won a gazillion Grand Slam titles. Yeah, I mean, I always thought it was it, it felt a little bit like baby out with the bathwater when when Djokovic ditched him a year or so ago. I mean, I didn't 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 quite understand that at the time. But then, as we discussed on last week's podcast, there's plenty of of coaching decisions, big and small, that that I don't understand, and and I don't expect to because most of what goes on between player and coach goes on behind closed doors. So um, I think it's as good a plan as any. I I think that the issues with Novak Djokovic, and again, I'm not privy to all of them, but I get the impression they're so multifaceted that there is no one thing that's going to magically make everything click and make everything like it was. But this seems as good a thing to try is any I, I think you know there are obviously injury issues but there's also confidence issues and and comfort issues I think with with being on the court and getting used to to not being the the um the omniscient you know top seed uh, and getting someone back that as you say feels like you're you know your favorite old comfort blanket I certainly don't think it can do any harm and I, and I can absolutely see why he's trying it. I just don't think it's going to be a magic wand. I don't think 
there necessarily is a magic wand for for Djokovic. It's going to be interesting. I, he has an awful draw in Monte Carlo. <laughs> so I mean, um, who's who's organised that draw? I mean, yeah, it is nobody dreadful. has in, in, in honesty because it's not fixed. But I mean, come on, karma. That's not on, is it? I mean, he's he's ended up with a qualifier in the first round, Borna Chorich in the second round. If all, if all goes as one would expect, and then he's got. Dominic team in round three, and then Rafael Nadal in the quarters to try to get to the semi-finals. I mean, that is as tough as it gets. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, there are some tough qualifiers as well. I don't know if they, I presume they have actually now done the qualifying draw, but Andres Seppi has qualified, Stefano Sitsipas has qualified, Pierre Hugerbert, Jeremy Shardy, Dusan Lajevic, they, they're all qualifiers. Well, actually, and did you know that uh, Andreas Seppi is Kyle Edmonds' first-round opponent now because there's been a, ah. a withdrawal, and Stefano Sitsipas, he of the glorious single-handed backhand from Greece, is up against Denis Shapovalov. How about oh. that? Oh, I love that. I don't want either of them to lose. Set your video. Do people it's do live. That? It's, Djokovic has got Lajevic, incidentally, so an all-Serbian tussle. But he's no slouch on the on the clay, Lajevic, and he'll have played himself in. Oh, no, he's good on clay. A couple, couple of qualities matches. I think that's really tough. Yeah. And it doesn't get any easier. So, so look, if he falls early this week, it... It could very well be down to, to the draw. There's no question. But it is an interesting one, Monte Carlo, because he lives in Monte Carlo. The The Monte Carlo Country Club is practically his, his, his home club. That's where he trains a lot of the time. That whole place is like a comfort blanket to him. So if it goes wrong there, it could do quite further damage, I think, to his mental state. I don't know. It depends how and why and maybe the the tough draw takes the pressure off a bit maybe it does I don't know as I say it's all so multifaceted it's sort of difficult to to speculate about one factor and another factor and because it's just it's just an interwoven jigsaw puzzle of a of a conundrum Blimey, that sounds complicated. <laughs> I'm really yeah. confused. I'm glad I'm not Marion Vider trying to trying to yeah, I mean, do, do you do you if you're Marion Vida, do you the the he's very sort of spiritual and philosophical and and all of that, Djokovic, isn't he? So I wonder if you know going back to Vida, it's definitely going back, isn't it? It's like remember how I'm sure you vividly do remember how shocked I was that Murray went back to Lendl. Now obviously I turned out to be so massively wrong about that; it's untrue. But I was really shocked as much as Lendl's a great coach and they work well together. I was just shocked that he looked looked backwards because they always these sports people they always talk about you know always looking looking ahead looking to the future just you know never never look backwards or dwell on things or so and this is very much the I same, don't look at it like it? that it's, it's, a, it's a backward it's a backward glance so it's, no, obviously it's not trying it's... to refine the Djokovic of old rather than a reinvented new an improved Djokovic, do you know what I mean? Or is this this? As I'm saying it, it, it sounds like guff. It sounds like waff. It's utter absurdity when you consider <laughs> that it, it worked so wonderfully well for Ivan Landl and Andy Murray. Well, I've already said that. I'm yeah, well, absolutely. Wrong, and but... my point is that you don't. You're not looking back. Back. You're looking back to look forwards. That's what you're doing. That's what you're doing. Goodness me, you're profound, David. I tell you, but it's true. I know all about this. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> that's. That's all happened and uh, is is still to come in Monte Carlo. We'll keep a close eye on that and tell you what happens next week in Monte Carlo. Um, 
So, what else have we been talking about over the last week? Well, one of the big... Hang on a, se- hang on a second, what? David. We just breezed past that with that prediction. Who's going to win Monte Carlo? Uh, uh, that bloke Nadal. That bloke Nadal. It's I, not I, I suspect we're going to be hearing a lot of that flavour of prediction. He hasn't actually won 88 of them. He's, he's won 10 of them. But that's quite a lot. Um, so, it just feels like 88. Uh, so, Nadal will win the French Open and Barcelona and Monte Carlo. And everything uh, is my Plus prediction. Plus a change, David. Plus yes, change. I've really worked or hard maybe to that, come up with that. Maybe that will change. We'll see. What, what do you think? I mean, you can't not predict Nadal, can you? So, Nadal. But I'm interested. I'm interested. He would play team in the Court, semi sem, quarters. Semi, semis. Semi. I know team's a total unknown quantity in himself. He's been he? injured. So, very injured. Apparently, he was hitting well. But you you know what we think about when people say he's hitting well. <laughs> Who's been tennis, that? tennis player hits tennis ball well. Yeah. Headline news. Yeah, very good. Yeah. That. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Wimbledon, the queue. Last week, that was our big debating point uh, because it was uh, prompted by our listener question special, Leah, uh, throwing in that question about the Wimbledon queue. And um, yeah, we ran a big old pole vault in the last week. You'll be delighted to know. And uh, 1,200 people entered uh, and uh, 51% of people think get rid of the queue. Um, 49%... When we talked about this earlier, David, it was 52, 48. Well, it's moved. Have you doctored 
The needle has Do- moved. Doctored the stats. No, people have just you know piled in on uh, keep Massaged it. Massaged the figures. They've said it's magical. Style. So anyway, yeah. a pe- there's plenty of people who still want to keep it, and uh, yeah. and and plenty of people don't. Uh, Catherine, you were one of the people that thought get rid. Yes, and uh, I. I, I think pitting those two points of view actually is a bit of a, a, a misdirection because I also think it's magical or certainly can be magical. I think individuals can have a a magical experience of it. Uh, I know you, you had a pretty magical experience the first time you did it. I d- I'm not for a moment going to tell people that had a magical experience, no, it wasn't magical, it's a dreadful thing. Um, it absolutely can be magical. I did it. Uh, for the first time when I was 16. It wasn't quite magical. I do look back on it fondly. <laughs> now, <laughs> now that you're in the safe, dry weather. Now I'm in the safe, dry weather. I mean, I was a bit... I, I don't know what came over me. My usually very responsible parents allowed me to, to set off for, for southwest London with a with nothing more than a, <laughs> a sleeping bag and a, a spare pair of pants. I mean, I'd, I'd, yeah, not even a tent. And in those days, you went in the park, you slept on the street. So I don't know, I don't know what we were thinking. But I, you know, it, for me, it was, it was an experience, and it's created a great memory. And look, I'm not questioning that it can be a great experience. I just think there are bigger concerns that that than that at play. I think Wimbledon is the most iconic to a lot of people, the most special. Um, tennis event some would say sporting event in the world and it, it's a really powerful powerful tool um in in converting people and making people fall in love with this sport and i don't think you can ever be complacent about that you know numbers so how does the current system stop people from falling in love with the sport there's only 500 people queuing for center court the rest is going most of the rest of it goes in a ballot it is unintentionally exclusionary. It's not inclusive. It is completely not for all the reasons that I, I said l- last week. It is not an inclusive. There are so so many categories of of the population. Categories is the wrong word. Segments of the population that wouldn't even be able to contemplate. Wouldn't even be able to countenance the possibility of queuing. And for them, the fact that it's pitched as this magical thing and not just a means to an end almost rubs it in <laughs> that they're not able to participate. Not only can I not get tickets to Wimbledon, but I also am unable to take part in this magical queuing experience. It's it's being well, it's they can. Being, you know, Anybody can. They take a week off work. David, David, have their holiday at Wimbledon. Like Tell- like I remember I did. Okay, but you were a student. I was a student when I did it. Um, you know, not everyone has that luxury. It is a huge, huge luxury. And this is anecdotal evidence, but I have spent a lot of time looking at the queue, walking past the queue. We recorded podcasts and Facebook Lives from the queue last year, David, and it is not a diverse cross-section of society. And I find that a shame. Now, obviously, you know, Tennis in this country is a it's an expensive, predominantly white middle class sport. And I hope that is changing as the world changes. And those are facts. It's not Wimbledon's fault that that that's the case. But Wimbledon could do more to to change things, I think, to try and make it more inclusive. You know, Wimbledon, Wimbledon is the only Grand Slam that doesn't have a kid's day. Um 
and most people probably don't notice that it has a kids day and and you know I'm not interested in kids day when I'm at the other slams and I realize it's kids day I actively try and avoid it because there's nothing worse than you know thousands of screaming young children that you don't know I there are individual children that I but children that I don't know being loud and annoying absolutely not but it is so they are so so powerful those days I'm always blown away by the expressions on the kids faces the 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 just the things you hear being uttered by by kids and families on the way out you know I've genuinely heard kids wandering around Melbourne Park at the Australian Open on kids day going oh my god I, I I've just seen whoever it is Victoria Azarenka and she's the coolest person ever and I want to be just like her or, you know, I never knew tennis was this cool or fun. And just, you know, the expressions on kids' faces, they are an incredibly powerful experience. They introduce, they create tennis fans. And Wimbledon doesn't have a kids' day. I I know that there are uh, complex reasons for that, that, you know, that we won't get into. And I wouldn't necessarily question the reasons, but... There are, they could be doing more to to make it a more, you know. There's no question. Maybe some people are brave enough to to bring their young kids into the queue. I'm sure there are some hardy souls that do it, but there is no question, David, that it's not a child friendly system of obtaining tickets to a sporting event. Yeah, but it is only 500 people we're talking about out of a stadium full of more than 10,000. Uh, yeah, each but the, day. but the, but the other way is to to enter a ballot and have what one in one in 10 chance. You well, can't That's just same you, for everybody, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but You enter, you get lucky or you don't. Okay, but you can't say to your, you can't say you can't buy tickets for your 10-year-old son or whatever and say, we're going to go to Wimbledon this summer. That's going to be great. It's something to look forward to, isn't it? You say, look, I've bought you a ticket for a ballot and you, you, you might just get lucky and get tickets for a day that you've not been able to choose and then you'll have to panic about whether you've already got something booked on that day. And Demand <laughs> outstrips supply, Catherine. I'd... Demand outstrips supply. So you might not be able to get that ticket for them anyway. Anyway, listen, let's... But, that, but that's the case for Beyonce concerts, David. And, so and nobody what really it complains make? about a straight-up, you know, just first-come, first-served ticket-buying system. All right. OK, well, we don't completely agree. Uh, let's find out what you lot think uh, at Tennis Podcast. Claudia, uh, who's part of the sports marketing team at Sky Sports, says the queue is only a very small portion of show tickets. Perfect complement to the way majority are sold via ballot or Ticketmaster. Uh, it'd, be, it'd be unfair if they were all sold this way, as not everybody can get in the queue. Uh, but it guarantees a portion of dedicated fans can make sure they see it. Incidentally, she mentions Ticketmaster that only a tiny, tiny proportion go on Ticketmaster. And I believe that, that there there are issues with with uh, Tout snapping those up, which is not remotely unique to Wimbledon. Well, but... wouldn't that be the problem then if you did it more widely? Well, I think less so. It's because it's such a tiny, tiny fraction. Mm. OK. Uh, Helen <clears throat> Barton Hansen says it needs to stay well worth the pre-dawn starts. I still write to a Canadian tennis fan I met in the queue in 2014. I don't doubt that. I don't, I'm just saying I don't think individual good experiences justify the overall situation. Stephen Malloy from Ballycorick says, I love the queue, always will love the queue. No one will ever convince me not to love the queue. It'll be my fifth time this year. But is it right? Is it right? I'm not saying, Do you have you enjoyed queuing? Who's to is say what's right? right and what isn't? 
we all have our own opinion, don't the greater, we? The greater good, David? The future of our sport? 51% have, said, have agreed with you, Catherine. So there's your greater good. I don't think it is right. I think there is right and wrong, David. And I don't think it is right that that a uh, somebody with mobility or uh, mobility issues or a, a disability or a carer or a, a mother or, you know, a father or a whatever, I don't think it is right that those people are effectively excluded from this supposedly magical experience. Okay, well, listen, for, f- first of all, uh, here's a few people who, uh, first of all, agree with you and uh, and then we'll go on to, to hear what Wimbledon have said. Uh, Rosin from Bristol, so, who suffers from Lyme disease and other chronic illnesses, she says, I really appreciated what Catherine said. As someone who is dis- disabled through chronic illness, the Wimbledon queue is a no-go for me. I do appreciate there are tickets for wheelchair users, etc., but the number available is usually pretty low for big events such as Wimbledon. Claire from Ireland says uh, my family flew from Ireland in the early morning last year, headed straight to the queue, weren't let in until 7 o'clock when the majority of play had finished Uh, the queue is exhausting and frustrating get rid of it. Uh, Oliver says it's massively outdated and doesn't take into account any practicability of having to take two days off work to see one day's play. Uh, Now I've spoken to Eloise Tyson who works for communications at at Wimbledon and she's excellent she's somebody we know well she's always great to deal with and she's been very quick to get back to me uh, on a few of the questions that I had and to make a few points about some of the the subjects we, we've been talking about the 500 tickets for a start on on centre court same on court number one and court number two that's what people queue for there's also many thousands of ground passes that people can get basically what Wimbledon are saying is they're trying to do it as fairly as they possibly can. There are less than 10% of the tickets uh, for centre court and court number one given to the hospitality market. There are 2,500 debenture seats uh, on centre court, which they use to upgrade their facilities. They use the proceeds of that, um, and 1,000 on court one as well. Obviously, if there's any surplus once all the expenses have, have been taken care of, that gets passed to the Lawn Tennis Association and to the Tennis Foundation to try to improve and invest in the British game. Um, the the other elements, you talked about mobility-impaired visitors and, uh, and, and, uh, and people that, that have issues such as those. Well, in the guide to queuing that is available on the Wimbledon website, these subjects are dealt with, and they say that they do encourage people that may have mobility issues to speak to one of their staff members about their individual circumstances as there are provisions made for those people once they've collected their cue card. So there are no age limits. It's not like kids are not allowed to come. It is a question of whether you're willing to or whether you're able to or whether you feel you're able to. Um, But there are some provisions made. There are certainly wheelchair tickets available etc. It's all, it's almost a, a test of how big a tennis fan you are which you know for the likes of us David is 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 fine we we passed the test. What is wrong with that? But it doesn't but it yeah but, but these are people that already love tennis. You know it's not introducing the it's not introducing any new people to tennis or turning the casual giving the 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 casual passing tennis fan the the magical experience that will turn them into a, a devoted tennis fan demand massively outstrips supply so yeah but that's it it's not unique in that respect uh for a for a sporting or an entertainment event of any kind and yet this system this combined system of ticketing is unique 
Um, and I know Wimbledon like to, to do their things their own way. And, and I think there are many great things about the queue, as I've said. Um, but I think overall, we can do better. We can do better now. Okay, well, there we are. We've had our say, you've had your say, and uh, Wimbledon have had their say as well. But uh, do go to the Wimbledon website uh, and you can get their guide to queuing if you want to read all about uh, what they do and do not suggest uh, you should do if you want to queue. Uh, and we'll see whether that ever changes in the future. I think you, David, if you, as a defender of the queue, you should have to take your, your young children and queue for, queue for a week in a tent. And entertain young children. Take the week off work. I can get in as it is. Yeah, but well, no, exact, but no, you you, no, you have to be like, be like. I did it. I've I did it for four years. What are you talking about? I've done. I've done it loads of days. When you were a lazy student with no responsibilities, yeah. Take your kids, David. You you would take take your kids, would you? My kids would love it. My kids yeah. would absolutely love being in a tent. Go for it then. And well, I don't need to, do I? Because I can get in as it is. Why do I need to? Right. Well, so lucky we you. Yeah, lucky me. It's brilliant. Um, right now, uh, what's the what's the worst surface uh, that you've ever had a big win on? Um, you've mentioned the Royal Albert Hall. <laughs> <laughs> for you uh i've put that question out uh, on social media and do you know how i got to this question mark i don't quite quite know how it ended up like this but anyway uh i was thinking about kyle Edmund and wondering what his best surface was what he would regard it as what and, and i suggested it might have been clay and wondered whether who, who was the last british player leading player that might have regarded clay as their their best surface so uh hence when I started texting Sue Barker. Sorry about the name dropping he's, everybody. Uh, he's always looking for reasons to text Sue Barker. <laughs> so I texted Sue Barker and I said, because uh, I reckoned that she was probably the last British leading player to regard Clay as her favourite surface, given that she'd won the French Open in 1976. Well, alas, no. She says that her favourite surface was indoors. Uh, I said, how can that be? You won the French Open and you didn't... How can know, that you... be? Yeah, I said, how, do, how can that be, Sue? Come on. Were you, were you doing... Was this text exchange last night, David? Uh, yes, it was, yes. You're just spending yes. your Saturday night texting Sue Barker. Well, you it. know, I, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe, she, maybe it brightened the day. <laughs> didn't sound like it. Uh, but she said that uh, it was her most successful tournament, uh, old surface, clay, um, but... The indoors was actually her favourite surface. Now, when I questioned this and I said, how can that be uh, in that exact uh, t- um, accent that you heard? Uh, she said, I beat Navratilova, Everett King and Virginia Wade indoors. So, uh, you know, and, and we brag. know that, yeah. I was going to say, of all the people who doesn't do the humble brag, Sue Barker is at the top of the list. She is the most unarrogant person I think I know in the business. And yet, yeah, she just reeled off that list of evidence as well. Why indoors was her favorite service. But uh, there we are. Um, and anyway, Sue's lovely. So thank you for, for that, Sue. But it did get me thinking. She rescues stray, stray dogs, David. Yeah. There's nothing, there's nothing lovelier in the world. Sue Barker rescues stray dogs. Yeah, so I've heard. Yeah. Really? No doubt. No. She doesn't even make a song and dance about it. No. She just, she just. But I'm doing that on. You're her doing it for because her. I think that's just great. She's got your vote. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, well, I I wondered who had had the biggest win on their worst surface. 
And Hang on, biggest uh, single win, biggest or, single you know, result. What's the, biggest, what's the biggest win you've ever seen from somebody on their worst surface? Is this gonna? Is Martin Verkirk going to be the answer to this as well? No, it's not. Well, I mean, it's just your opinion, isn't it? So who, I don't know He's, what is it. I just wanted to record a podcast where Martin Verkirk came up twice. Um, well, I mean, you have to. My mind instantly goes to Tim Henman. Uh, French Open 2004. Uh, I know he reached semi-finals at two of the other slams as well, but um, that really, looking back, was his best chance of winning a slam. All those Wimbledon's that casual tennis fans still hark on about him, him, you know, wimping out of or whatever, whatever, whatever the uninformed say. Um, that was his biggest chance. He was a set in a break up against Guillermo Correa in the semi-final. Uh, Correa went on to lose to Gaston Gaudio in in that final. It was a bizarre French Open year, and Tim Henman was saying playing some absolutely swashbuckling tennis on the clay. So that's what springs to mind. Also, just very very quickly, uh, when you um, posed that question on Twitter, I happened to be commentating on Alison van Oytvank against Camilla Georgie in uh, Lugano, and she looked like somebody that never wanted to see play again in her whole life she looked so uncomfortable on it and uh, she reached a French Open quarter final in 2015 I was watching the whole thinking thing think maybe she was having an off day I don't watch that much of Alison van Oytvank's tennis but goodness me I was watching it thinking how did that happen so that's how Catherine beat me on that surface of the Royal Albert Hall. It can happen for anybody. This is the point of this talking point. And Hassan at Tennis Podcast says, Andre Agassi at Wimbledon in 1992. And I mean, great shout, Hassan, because Agassi prepared for that Wimbledon by playing on a hard court, just practicing, no no warm-up tournament, nothing. Just went out there, started hitting, and and won Wimbledon. Beat Goran Ivanovic in the final, beat John McInerney in the semis, beat Boris Becker. I mean, an incredible run. Um, and uh, Carolyn Norris, who, as you'll be delighted to know, is a guinea pig owner from Chorley, Catherine. Uh, she says... Did she, San- did she... Is that how she introduced herself? On Twitter, now that I've stalked her and found out her profile... Oh, that's her that's bio. What, that's what it that's says. Her, yeah. I, th- I thought her tweet said... <laughs> My my name is sorry. What was her name? Carolyn Norris. I thought when I thought she said hello. My name's Carolyn Norris, and I'm a a, a hamster a guinea pig hamster. Guinea pig. Guinea, guinea pig. pig it's owner. late, David. Guinea pig owner from Hampshire. From Chorley. Oh, you're not Chorley. doing very well here, oh, are my. you? Right, let's finish it there. <laughs> Sanchez Vicario is what she I've said. Got, well, I've got one eye on the plane to the Caribbean. Right, David. yeah, four hours to go. Uh, Sanchez Vicario reaching two Wimbledon finals is what she went for. Clay Corder, of course, Sanchez Vicario. Uh, Dave yeah. from Livingston. Conchita Martinez yeah, good a one. shout. Yeah, that, that's come up a couple of times. Dave from Livingston says Maria Sharapova winning two French Opens. Good shout there. I like this yeah. one from Peter Cassin from Australia, who says Pat Rafter reaching the semis at the French Open in 1987. And he was he was chipping and charging, I'm telling you, on a pudding of a court. And it was slow <laughs> as what? anything. On uh, a what? What a pudding. did you just say? It's a pudding. You know, like one of those squidgy things that just sort of, you know, there's no speed. There's no sort of slickness to it. Is that a thing that it. people say? Yeah. Is that a bit of tennis lingo that I've... Hang on. Pudding-y. Is that a thing that people say in tennis or is that a thing that people say in Birmingham? Both, Catherine, now that I'm <laughs> in Specifically tennis. tennis in Birmingham. Yeah. So anyway, uh, he took a set off, off Bergera, did Pat Rafter. Rafael Nadal, that bloke, uh, reached, what was it? 
four Wimbledon finals, five Wimbledon finals five, uh, yeah. between 2006 and 2011. Who'd have thought that? Um, Djokovic beating Federer in two Wimbledon finals. That was impressive. Do you want to know what mine is? Tell me. Leighton Hewitt in Florianapolis, Brazil, on clay, <laughs> on clay, beating Gustavo Curtin in straight sets in the Davis Cup in 2001 and beating Fernando Melageni and winning the doubles. Nine sets out of nine. Leighton Hewitt, I give you. This is just your opportunity to, to gloat about the depths of your memory bank, David. <laughs> Amazing, I tell you. Uh, so that's that's about all I've got for you, uh, and I really enjoyed that talking point. We've um, also had Casey Delacqua, Catherine, just as a very final note, and that's her retirement. And Casey Delacqua always a good player to watch. Had a great doubles career. I didn't know her personally, but she always came across really well whenever I saw her interviewed. Um, thoughts? Yeah, it came across so so well. Great doubles partnership with Ash Barty. I'm sure. Um, Ash Barty will miss her so much as a, a, a presence on the tour um, but I think she'll go on to to be a very powerful presence in, in whatever she chooses to do next. I think she could coach, she could go into politics, she's done a lot for, for LGBT issues in, in tennis and in in Australia which is going through a lot of change in that respect um, at the moment so I think she will be a force for great good in her retirement one way or another. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, right, Catherine, you better go and get your plane. Otherwise, you're not going on holiday. Uh, and it's uh, is it it's it's going to be glorious this week. So you're going to miss out on the good weather, having just stayed here for months in the bad weather. I, I cannot tell you how grumpy I am about that. You can only enjoy <laughs> good weather if you know that everyone else in the world is experiencing rain and misery. It's, it's I looking know that a bit, makes me. I know that bit, makes me a small, small person. It's looking a bit dicey where you're going. I don't want it to be nice going. here. Did you know it's don't not looking that. that great where you're going? Don't say, I mean, don't say that. It is looking a bit rough. But anyway, I uh, hope you have a lovely holiday, Don't Catherine. want to see any pictures of you basking in the sun in Solihull, David. Yeah. I'm not interested. Brilliant. Uh, if you would like to uh, listen to our show next week, we'll tell you all about Monte Carlo. Uh, we have been the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph, with Eurosport, with our executive producers, Melanie Bowes, tennisballs.com, Triple S, our lovely mascot, Charlie the Ferret, who I've seen is packing for a holiday of his own. I think he, I think he's off to Monte Carlo. Uh, I saw uh, uh, his, his, his little tennis podcast sleeping bag uh, in his case so he's ready to go on twitter if you want to have a look at that uh we've also are partnered with la manga club the wonderful holiday destination where Catherine is going to uh, try out the forehand uh, that she got from them uh, when she's on a holiday next week and uh, we also have a, a special offer from them if you didn't know already 10 percent off holidays at la manga club t podcast 18 is your code we will be back Catherine very soon with another tennis podcast. Have a nice holiday. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com.